built around the concept that you can have everything in life you want if you'll just help enough other people get what they want. Well, remember, you were born to win. But in order to be the winner you were born to be, you got to plan to win, you got to prepare to win, and then and only then can you legitimately expect to win. You see, with integrity, you do the right thing. When you do the right thing, there's no guilt. With integrity, you have nothing to fear because you have nothing to hide. See, folks, failure is an event. It's not a person. Yesterday really did end last night. Today is a brand new day, and it's yours. Friends, welcome to The Ziggler Show. I'm your host, Kevin Miller, and it is my unique privilege to bring today's profound message to you. The Ziggler Show is founded on what Zig Ziggler, the world's most prolific motivator, devoted his life to, inspiring your true performance. You can have the best tools, uh, resources, and even opportunity, but unless you are truly inspired, you'll be hopeful but remain where you are. What is the definition of inspired? Listen to this. To influence or animate with an idea or purpose. Did you hear that? Animate with a purpose. If you want to take action, you have to know and be motivated by true purpose. That's deep, folks, and it is why you are here. Let's dig in and change your world so you can change this world. We need all you've got to offer. Desperately. You're one of those people who just wakes up every Monday morning fully inspired, never negative, a perfectly positive outlook on life, no matter what circumstances may befall you, right? Oh, wait, no? Yeah, yeah, I'm not either, which is why we offer to send you an inspirational quote from Zig, along with a link that goes to an incredible image with that quote on it at our Facebook page. All you need to do is text Ziggler, Z-I-G-L-A-R, to this number, 38470. We'll send you some strength to start your week off right. Text Ziggler to 38470. Hey folks, I just completed the interview with today's guest, Jason Friend. Uh, Tom Ziggler was there as well, and we had a great pop-in from Tom's uh, sister, Cindy Ziegler Norman and Tom's mom, the redhead, as most of you know her from Zig, but Jean, both of them came in and both gave a little, a bit of content to us on the aspect of speaking. And Jean shares a really neat aspect of Zig, what she loved about him most on stage. But I'll tell you folks, this interview was just uh, flat out uh, fun and informative. I have been I would say a professional communicator uh, in the forms of writing and speaking and presenting most of my life, all I can remember. And yet today I really learned some great insight from Jason, just incredibly interesting guy and uh, love his, his energy in there, which of course is why he's so great at what he does. So, uh, and this is, we did this show today with Jason because Tom uh, texted me and said, okay, we've got to do an interview with Jason. So on this aspect of speaking, which is our focal point, I mean, you know how Zig says everyone's a salesperson, right? Uh, because sales is influence and everyone needs to know how to influence people in order to lead anyone to anything that will help them, right? Well, most people don't think of themselves as speakers, right? Not everybody's going to be on stage. Sometimes that gives you, you know, being a speaker gives you visions of, of that. Oh, it's, you're on a stage. You're trying to, you're trying to, to, to impact people. You're a performer, Right. 
Well, you know, folks, speaking is just a vehicle for communicating something, communicating a message you care about, just like writing is, or, uh, you know, it's just a communication tool. It's a skill everyone should have. I mean, is there a benefit if you can successfully communicate to people when you are addressing them? Well, of course there's a benefit. Is there a negative to being able to successfully communicate to people when you need to address them? Well, no, there's not. So yeah, I have seven kids. Is there any reason I would want any of them to be really bad at speaking, uncomfortable at speaking, or are there reasons I would want them to be good at it if they ever need it? Well, of course I would. I want you to take that perspective as you listen to today's show, whether or not you think of yourself as a speaker, we're talking about inherent skills. Everyone needs no matter if you're on stage or if you're just talking to another human being. All right. So Ziggler has a speaking institute. If you go to Ziggler.com and click on upcoming events, you'll see a drop down. You can click on it and choose from three upcoming dates for the Ziggler Speaking Institute. And that, those are led by Tom Ziggler, Jason Friend, uh, Julie Ziggler Norman is part of that as well. And, uh, you know, I, I could tell you some of the uh, exploits and testimony to, to Jason, but he has a message he believes in. He chose speaking as the primary vehicle and he has succeeded. So, you know what? In case you aren't aware, you are here because someone did the same thing. Someone chose public speaking as a primary vehicle for a message they believed in, a message they believed people needed enough for him to devote himself to the craft of effectively delivering a message while up in front of people. Who was that guy? Well, Zig Ziglar. He wasn't just some natural born speaker. He was a natural born, I'll work my butt off till I hone this craft kind of speaker. And the result is, well, you're listening now. I mean, how about them apples? I mean, that's, that's proof is in the pudding, right? Okay. With Jason friend, similar kind of guy. This, so here, here's a quick bio on Jason. He's held more than 55 international crusades where more than three people have heard the presentation of the gospel. He has seen more than 300,000 first time decisions for Christ. Now, folks, as you'll hear in the show, Jason also did this for, you know, in the business world it was incredibly successful. But in addition to being a missionary evangelist, Jason is a best-selling author. He has a daily live radio program uh, with a listening audience of 500,000 people. It covers parts of Oregon, all of California, northern uh, northern Mexico. Uh, Jason's a dynamic speaker, as you'll get a, a great taste of even in this interview. He speaks to English and Spanish audience. He's spoken on the Hour of Power numerous times, is a frequent guest voice for the Washington Post. He has a brand new book called The Seven Prayers God Always Answers, which is really interesting as you'll hear in the interview that his dad, who's a bartender, helped him name the book. So interesting stories you're here. It's not going to be what you'll expect. So Jason leads the Ziegler Speakers Institute at Ziegler headquarters with Tom Ziegler. Again, go to upcoming events uh, at Ziegler.com and choose from any of those dates. And there's a special offer that you will hear in this show where the first five people to sign up will get 30 minutes with Jason prior to coming to the event. And folks, I've been in this, in this arena for so long, that right there is worth the price of admission. So today we're going to drill down with Jason. And uh, for disclosure, before this interview, I'd never, never met him, never talked to him. All I knew is Tom said, we got to have him on the show. And now I know exactly why. So here then, if you're ready, I'm going to bring you Tom Ziegler, our 
featured guest, Jason Friend. And right at the outset of the show, special appearance by Tom's sister, Zig's uh, daughter, Julie, and Zig's wife, Jean. Here we go. So Jason Friend, welcome to The Ziggler Show. Thanks so much for giving yourself to us today. It's an honor to be here. I'm looking forward to some sharing, some some really good insights. And, you know, I think that the future holds some wonderful opportunities for many speakers. So I'm glad to be here. Well, I've got some things I want to dig into. As I talked about in the intro, speaking, I see as just like Zig talked about with sales, it's something that we all do, not just sales professionals. And speaking is a skill that we all need. So we're going to talk about the pieces of that today. Now, Tom Ziegler's with us too. And uh, Tom, I see two lovely ladies sitting with you in the studio today. Who you got? Kevin, it's pretty exciting. I've got my mom, affectionately known as the redhead right here, and my sister, Julie. And Julie's the one who traveled with dad for the last, how many years, Julie? Almost four years. Almost four years. She did over a hundred of the huge events. Oh, wow. And I was was incredibly grateful for that and their time together because it just meant so much to dad and and, uh, the feedback we got was amazing. So, we thought since it was about speaking and they were here at the office that we would just have both of them on the show. Well, I love it. Well, I can't have Mrs. Zig Ziglar Jean sitting there without asking a question. I mean, you saw you saw your husband on stage and I know this is kind of a big question, but to you, what is the thing that stood out to you most in regards to Zig on stage in front of people? What was it that was nearest and dearest about him? in your heart on stage? Well, it was because he was speaking to each person there, not just a huge audience. And that's the way they seemed to take it. And it meant a lot. And um, I was very blessed and honored to be with him there. When I was with him, I wasn't on the stage too much. (laughs) But I was watching and listening. Well, he (laughs) talked about you so much, we always felt like you were right there with him. (laughs) And that is, gosh, I can testify that. I think we all can, that it always felt like when he's speaking, even when he was writing, that it was just to us. And I think that's why we're sitting here today with an audience of massive proportions who are still tuned in to Zig's message. Well, uh, Julie, and I know we're here talking with Jason and we're talking about speaking. We're talking about the Ziegler Speakers Institute, which you are a part of, and you talk on integrity and honesty and speaking. And as so many people look at, well, speaking's a skill, right? If you're a good writer, you know how to craft a good message in writing. Well, speaking, isn't that a skill? Where does honesty and integrity come into the profession and the skill of speaking? Well, my father taught me quite well, Kevin, that if people don't trust what you say, it doesn't matter what you have to say or how you say it. They're not going to be able to use and apply it in their life. Uh, Dad taught me that in order to uh, have the audience trust you, you have to be transparent and sincere. And if at any point uh, you say anything that causes them to doubt your integrity, then trust is lost and you have nothing to say. Speakers absolutely uh, undermine themselves when they do anything that offends the audience, uh, whether it's not being truthful, whether it's using offensive language, offensive gestures. Uh, You need to be very, very professional and aware that you need to be on your best behavior as far as manners go. 
uh, when you're up there in front of an audience because you, you never really know everyone who's out there and what is important to them. But everybody knows when something might offend, so it's always best to, to leave that out. But transparency, integrity, honesty, foundation of any really good speaking career. That I just came from a conference and it was discussed how people, especially in this day and age when there's so many, so much information in front of them, so many, so much input, so many speakers and presenters and authors and experts that they have become character detectives. And like you said, they can smell a, a, an unauthentic person in a heartbeat. So you transparent. So that is, so folks, as we talk about speaking and uh, literally the Ziegler Speakers Institute, that is a segment that Julie leads. Well, what a gift to have both of you with us today. Thank you for stopping in for the show. What a great, uh, a, a great treat. And Tom, you, I, told people uh, in the intro that Jason is one of the the handful of people where you've come and said, okay, we got to have this guy on the Ziegler show. What is the, what is the hub, uh, the reason that you knew folks need to hear Jason's message? Well, I'll tell you, we've been working with Jason. How many years now, Jason? At least five or six. At least five or six. Uh, the first thing is every time we send him out to a client, we get rave reviews and they want him back. And so when you got a good thing going, you want to keep it going. And then anytime we ask him, can you do this? It's always like dad used to do. He would always come back with, and then some, a little bit extra. So he would, he would create something that was so much in the Ziegler spectrum of what we believed. And then he would add his touch to it, which, you know, that's the hallmark of a great communicator is the ability to take their own experience and be able to apply it to a specific group who has that particular need. And then the third thing, and the reason the Ziegler Speakers Institute came about, is Jason contacted us and he said, you know, I think there's a real opportunity for speakers and trainers who are trying to go to that next level. They are already doing some presentations. They're already communicating, but they want the shortcut. They want to know, what did Zig Ziegler learn on the stage all these years? And Jason's own experience, he'll speak more to it, speaking to hundreds of thousands of people in all size events and stadiums. Until you had that front-of-the-room experience, you don't know how to adjust when the lights don't work, when the sound system's weird, when it's a huge room and there's 100 people in it, or there's standing room only. And so he brings that depth of experience. And when I asked him, what do you have in mind, he sent back a proposed program that really literally brought tears to my eyes because it was everything we stood for and believe in, but it was no repetition. It was nothing that we'd already gone out and done. So I could see that his vision for creating not just a, how to be a great trainer, which is another kind of communication, but how to be a platform speaker. He had a vision that was integrity-based based on the Ziegler principles and his own experience. So that's how we got to here. <laughs> what a rave. Yeah. What a raver. Thank you. Thank you, J Jason. Uh, yeah, I wish people could see the video. They're just missing out. All right. Well, so on that, so, you know, me talking about a platform speaker, speaker but again, I am going to, I want to talk about Ziegler Speakers Institute. I want to talk and break down your, some of your personal story, uh, Jason, that led you to this point and then what you're doing in this arena. But I want to start off, if we can, with, um, 
a little piece that, that, that when we, again, when we talk about speaking or writing, it's a little bit of a soapbox issue. So bear with me just a second. I want to lead into a question. In my work, my background working with so many people in a self-employed arena, uh, people who want to do their own thing, pursue something they truly want to do. I've had many say, hey, I want to be a writer. I want to be a speaker. I want to be a coach or a consultant or a teacher, which I appreciate. But it also concerns me when I hear that as a label, because all those things, writer, speaker, coach, consultant, teacher, as you know, those are vehicles. Those are, those are vessels, vessels for a message. I mean, if you don't have a message, then you're just an empty vessel. Uh, you know, the old Westerns uh, made me think of that. You, know, you get a hired gun, quick on the draw, great aim, but the bullet, that's the message. You have no message. You're a blank shooter, which is, is worthless. And it reminded me of a movie. I wonder if you've even seen this. It's a movie I actually own. My kids got it for me because I talk about it a lot. It's called The Music Within. And it's about a guy who at first finds his skill and it's public speaking. I mean, he has a gift. He can flat bring down the house with his ability to enrapture and connect with an audience. And he auditions at a prestigious college for a, a public speaking course. And he wows the professor, professor with his skill. But then to the astonishment of all, the professor turns him down. Guy's totally dismayed, doesn't understand why. And the professor says that the guy's one of the most skilled speakers he's ever encountered. And so this guy asks, why would you turn me down then? Why, why wouldn't you let me in? And the guy, uh, the professor responds, and I paraphrase, he says, you have a great skill, but you talk about meaningless issues. Go out, live a life, come back when you've earned an opinion. The guy ends up going to war, being in an accident, losing his hearing, comes back and befriends a guy who has severe cerebral palsy and is discriminated against. And he finds his message, the, the one that he cares about. And it's based on a true story. And the guy, it's the guy that founded the Americans with Disabilities Act. So there's a big preface on speaking. I, I care about this topic. And so my first question for you, Jason, is really on a personal side, then I want to get into some of those other pieces, is uh, which for you? came first? Was it a message that you wanted to share and you chose speaking or was it a, a desire to speak and influence people and then you found a worthy message? I think that that movie that you just talked about encompasses my life. I always had a draw to speaking. I always hmm. had this desire to communicate something built within me is this desire to take people, to lead people to a transformational decision. That's what speakers do. You're yeah. absolutely right. Um, when I was taking a, a speaking class, specifically homiletics, uh, the only critique was that, well, it wasn't really a critique. It was a, it was a piece of advice. Your only need, perceived need that I can see, this is the professor talking, is to come up with really, really solid content. And I took that to heart at 20 years of age. And I realized how important research was, how important listening was, how important uh, doing your investigation, finding out what the audience wants as opposed to what the audience needs, hmm. and figuring out what the very core message is and how to take that message to the heart of those people. In addition to that, there must be a conviction of love. You have to have love for your audience or at least your potential audience. Because if you don't really care about your audience, if you are a hired gun, you have a great product, you're just there, you're a performer, uh, the audience is going to pick that up. Yeah, you got great content. I met speakers that had great content. I met speakers that were great performers, but I also realized that they really didn't love people that much. Mm. And that was a significant disconnect between myself and that speaker. Uh, those speakers can bring in a lot of money. But Zig Ziglar, although he did earn quite a bit of money doing what he did, he was not one of those speakers. He was a speaker who genuinely loved people. And in spite of any 
uh, communicative mistakes that he may have made in the traditional sense or from a public speaking uh, sense, they're all forgiven, automatically forgiven because of his genuine love for people. That trumps everything that we that we make as a mistake in terms of speaking. So, yeah, you have to have a good delivery, but you must, absolutely must have a great message. But you also need to have that genuine appreciation and love for your audience. Well, I want to pull out a couple of nuggets from that that I want folks to hear. You started off saying speaking or how you address speaking is you're leading people to a transformational decision, which could say the same thing as sales. And this is a, an aspect of that. And you are uncovering their uh, wants. This is something that I, as a, as a marketing guy, have to come back to. I so often want to lead with my idealism, what people need. And we know that uh, as you just said, we have to f- we have to uncover their want first, then to get to their need. Absolutely, I mean, I grew up in that arena, seeing a lot of these speakers and presenters, and uh, through my dad, got to go backstage and see some of these guys. And yeah, I was often disillusioned by the person that they were off the stage except for Zig, which is why we are talking here. So as we talk about that uh, skill of speaking and then the necessity of a good message as a trainer of speakers, do you find yourself, I should say, your prospects, people coming, are they often people who think that they, they enjoy speaking, they appreciate that, and they need help finding a message? Or is it folks who have a message they want to deliver, and yet oh, speaking's a, a little scary aspect uh, you know, to go after, and they need help with comfort there? Yeah, it's probably a little bit across the board. It's all across the field, I think. But the biggest struggle that I face as a trainer is getting to the authentic voice of that speaker. So many times uh, people are concentrating on the eliminating the and us, not the hands in the pocket. Mm -hmm. And I just got to get through this without stuttering that I can't really hear their voice. And that's why in the Speakers Institute, we turn them loose for 20 or 30 minutes because in 20 or 30 minutes, we're bound to discover at least two or three minutes where I can hear their voice. Mm. And if I can hear their authentic voice, then I can coach them. If all I'm getting is a facade, uh, which is what you get with a lot of professional trainers, they're so skilled, they're so polished, that I'm trying as an audience member, trying to hear where their real voice is. If I can hear the real voice from that student, or the participant in the, the participant in the institute, then then I can coach that person. I can get to that person. I can say this is where you're going to connect with the, with your audience is being authentic, not by being super polished. Um, you look across the you look across the political spectrum, and uh, the the political spectrum, and the candidates that always connect the best on the long haul are the ones that people feel when they stand up. They are very uh, genuine, and at least you can hear their voice. Mm-hmm. You may not agree with them. Uh, you may think that they're uh, you know, crazy or whatever, but you feel like, hey, I, can, I know that person. You may not feel like you can connect with a facade, and that's the difference. And so we have to get to the authentic voice. We have to get to the essence of who they are as a communicator. That's the biggest challenge as a professional trainer. But if we do then we can help them eliminate the facade and the fakeness that many of us do just to sort of put up a, 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 a protective barrier, so to speak. And then we can really begin to communicate effectively because people really want to listen to people. And they don't want to listen to a communicator. 
Well, I like the authentic voice. Reminds me of uh, Bagger Vance, where the point was finding your one true authentic swing. That was a crux of the movie. And as I hear you talk about that, I love that idea of cutting someone loose for 30 minutes so you can hear them because I know we all get caught up in our own persona, our own performance, our presentation, our, our message, our heart, uh, even our idealism. And we have a hard time hearing ourselves. And it's when somebody skilled in it, like you can look at that, hear us and pull out the authentic voice, pull out the, the brilliance. I assume that that is when you talk about that cutting loose for 30 minutes, that's something that happens at the Ziegler Speakers Institute. Absolutely. We try to give them two or three different opportunities where they can speak. One is a short story, a signature story where that's something just about them. Something that we know that they're going to tell that story better than anyone else because it's their story. The other one is maybe a 30-minute presentation in their area of expertise. We tell them you can pick any area you want. We prefer the area that they're most comfortable in. But we, what we, yeah, we can, we can correct the hands in the pocket. We can correct the end ofs. All that stuff is easy to correct. But getting to the authentic voice is the challenge, and that's why we need them to take time in front of a group so that eventually we're going to break through the facade and we're going to see them, and that way we're going to have the ability to take them from mediocre to good or from good to great or from great to incredible. And that's, that's the hope. That's the desire. So when you talk on uh, being genuine – uh, with that, which Gene talked about that in regards to Zig, you know, you felt like he was talking just too straight to you. I was again at a conference here this last week and had three people on a panel talking on branding. They were brand directors, and uh, you know, often when they were also you know, kind of touting their own skills and and their abilities, one of them stood out. And I talked to her afterwards, and it was just that she was genuine. I felt that she cared. So as you're looking for someone and looking for their authentic voice, I assume that does half the battle of getting their genuineness out on the table, but also for those who have a message that they want to bring forth and they're dealing with, as we all know, so many do fear of being on stage. I assume that when you help them hone into their authentic voice there, what they truly care about, it's going to help is that the, is that the secret sauce to overcoming the majority of that being genuine and getting over fear? Absolutely. I think that if people would, would simply think about it for a second, if this audience knew who I really was, they'd probably like me. If they can get into that frame of mind, then they're going to be fine. Uh, you're not going to be on that platform if everybody hates you. That's one thing that they have to remember as speakers. You're not there because people hate you. You're there. You're there because people want to hear you. And ultimately, the, the audience wants you to succeed. There's just sort of a testing period where we're kind of wondering if you're worthy of being on that platform. But but after you get to the authentic self, then people, especially in a, 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 sort of a, a, a portion of that needs to be a little bit of vulnerability. Being vulnerable on stage, I think, is, is really the key to really winning the audience. Hmm. And people don't like to be vulnerable, but ultimately, that's what you need to do. Best actors are vulnerable. Uh, introverts uh, can show a, a significant amount of vulnerability. That's why if introverts make some of the best speakers, they make some of the best actors, and Zig will tell you they make some of the best salespeople. So um, I really believe in, in getting people to overcome their fears and their anxieties by just coming to the conclusion that they're on that stage for a purpose, and ultimately people will like them if they get a real shot at looking at who they are. Let me take a quick moment to highlight a Ziegler Show sponsor, 
Texture, where you can get your favorite magazines electronically. There are many magazines I'd love to read, but I'm no longer willing to get a big magazine sent to me that I enjoy for 15 minutes and then chuck into the garbage. It just feels too wasteful. With Texture, for less than the price of three magazines at the grocery store, you can get all your favorite magazines on your mobile device. For me, as soon as I saw they had Fast Company, Runner's World, Outside Magazine, and some others, I was sold. Even more so as a writer, they have a really strong search feature. I can search and curate topics from various content and lots of magazines. The best part, Texture's offering Ziggler listeners a free trial right now when you go to texture.com slash Ziggler. That's T-E-X-T-U-R-E dot com slash Ziggler. So think about it. You'll gain unrestricted access to the world's best magazines from back issues to the one on newsstands today. So just like CDs, I'm never going to buy again as I get all my music online at the touch of a button. I'll now enjoy all my favorite magazines every month for less than the cost of three in a store and not be killing trees. So go to texture.com slash Ziggler. Now get your free trial. So it sounds like you're talking about a, a balance in essence. So we know that to be on stage and you've addressed this, we need to get rid of the things that are obstacles to people like the hands in the pockets, the, 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 the little tendencies, the, the pacing back and forth, the um, ers like, you knows that comes out to be professional so that we are not, cause I've had many, and I know you have too many messages where it's a good message, but oh my gosh, I could hardly I could hardly let it get in because of whatever habit this person had. But then on the other side, when you are a great performer, I mean, you are slick. Then we also see that that erodes trust in people. Yeah, it's a great performer, but I didn't trust him. And I've had that happen as well. So you're talking about a, a, a tension in there, really. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely talking about attention. You need to be extremely professionally vulnerable and genuine. <laughs> that's really, <laughs> wow, okay. that's really it. You need to be professionally genuine. That's, that's, and, 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 you know, you may have given that speech a hundred times, but you need to make that audience feel that this is the first time mm. and it's still fresh. You know, Kevin, uh, one of the things that I learned from, from dad is that he, uh, his ability to connect with the audience was based on this concept of identity Identity is if I identify with you, then I'm far more likely to follow through on whatever recommendations or advice that you give me. If I see you as an expert looking down your nose who knows all the answers, but I could never be you. I could never get the Ph.D. I could never fly the fighter jet or whatever the situation is. Then even though your advice is sound and good, you're not going to be able to move people to action. And so the, the way dad created identity is he told people about his failures and his mistakes. And he got very transparent and he said, this is where I blew it. And I was in the top, I was in the part of the class that made the top half possible. You know, people would laugh, but at the same time they would connect through his identity because they knew he had a hard time in school. And so all of a sudden you see this transformation in the audience and they think, well, if Zig can, maybe I can. Yeah. And that's where hope is born. And so this idea of being authentic and genuine and transparent, it's even deeper than that. It's about communicating the challenges, the obstacles, yes, the mistakes that you've had made and that you've overcome. And then people really get that identity. 
Well, and folks, as again, I talked about in the intro, you've got to hear this, whether you look at yourself as somebody who is going to be literally on stage, or if that stage is you in front of your coworkers, in front of your boss, in front of uh, a handful of clients, if it's in front of your kid or your spouse. I mean, that we're talking about the ability to, to resonate with somebody and to therefore hopefully influence them to, to something better. Well, talking about Zig, you know, this, Jason, this is something that I know that often people think, well, Zig was just, you know, he was a natural born speaker. That was just, that, that falls outside the norm. And yet we also know he was one of the most devout students to that craft. So I hear you talking about that. It was something that you gravitated to, and I assume probably had some natural talent and, and knack for, but tell us about how you went to work yourself to hone that. Well, I, the first time I really got attracted to the craft, I was sitting in an achievement club in Hawaii with more business forms. I was fortunate enough to be one of the one of the top uh, sales performers one particular year, so they took us all to Hawaii, about a thousand sales reps, and they brought in a motivational speaker for forty five minutes, and he gave uh, a speech. He talked a little bit about our company, and probably ten minutes told a signature story about a guy who brought him room service. That was it was a ten minute story about some guy who brought him room service, and it was a motivational speak a speech about the story was really you know had a high impact because it was really based upon service, having a servant heart, and a whole bit. And so I made a phone call. I called our uh, our headquarters and said, "Hey, who was that guy?" And they told him. They they said he's also got a speakers institute. I said I'd be interested, so I sent away for the materials. It was like I don't know twenty five hundred dollars to attend the speakers institute, which at that time was an astronomical amount of money because we're talking about the eighties. I said, "By the way, how much did you pay him?" They said we paid him five grand. This was in the eighties, and I said, five, "And for forty five minutes, five grand? Yeah, we flew him out and put him and his wife up in the hotel." And I thought, that's what I want to do in my life. <laughs> so, but I realized shortly thereafter that, because I was 22 at the time, that I needed, to have, I needed to have a message. And so even though one has a draw to that, there are other people who do not have a draw to that, but that's what they've been wired to do. Mm-hmm. There are people who have a draw to that who may not be wired to do it. They really need to learn how to do it if they really want to do it well. And they may not have the skills to do it, but they can learn those skills. There are other people who sort of have a knack. And, and what Zig had, he had the ability to be genuine. Yes, he talked about coming from Yazoo City and made himself vulnerable. But he also had the ability to tell a story. And that is the most – that it is the single most important crucial skill of communication in the history of the world, in every culture. There's no other important skill – greater than telling a really good story, and he was a master storyteller. Mm -hmm. And so you can be a great storyteller and never stand up on stage, but you cannot be a great communicator and not be a storyteller. You must have that skill, which is one of the things that we help to uh, build into every speaker is this ability to craft a really great story. And, And so I come from a family that is highly dysfunctional. My dad's a bartender. My mom, you know, she struggled with alcoholism. But both of them were chronic storytellers. Chronic. <laughs> so I'm a mutant. I'm a mutant. And so, um, you know, th- that is really built into the DNA, and that's one of the things that helped gravitate me toward that 
the, the, the skill and the craft and, and, and the area of public speaking. And that is something that I see very strong in Zig Ziglar as well and every other great communicator. Yeah. Well, Zig also had that accent, which I'm really jealous of because that's just draws you in. And, and I just have such a vanilla accent, but telling a story, I mean that I'll tell you, Jason, that's one of the things that I struggle with as a professional communicator, which that's what I get paid to do. I'm a, I'm a to the point guy. I like to bring people to that point and having to step back and tell that story is difficult for me. That's part of the learned aspect uh, that I have to continue to develop in because yeah, you're right. Story. Matter of fact, we've got uh, a guy coming up in a couple of weeks talking about story specifically as a, as an inter- a guest here on the Ziggler show. Well, I want to get into some of the literal pieces of the Ziegler Speakers Institute. So Lori Major sent me some of the content that you guys actually go through directly from uh, the, uh, the, the event content. I want to pull something from it and ask you about it. So it's a segment called The Power of Your Internal Dialogue. And I'm going to read straight from the text. It says, great communicator, you wrote, great communicators enjoy something that others wish they had, a connectedness with themselves internally and with those around them externally. They feel at peace with themselves and with the notion of sharing with others. The benefits of being connected both internally and externally allow great communicators to move beyond stagnation to a level of productivity and fruitfulness. Our objective in this segment is to help you discover how your feelings and thoughts impact your approach leading up to and during the execution of your presentation. We want to help you eliminate the negative thought patterns and replace them with a healthy, effective, and productive internal dialogue. Most people do not understand how important their internal dialogue is. Either they entertain thoughts they shouldn't or they ignore the thoughts they should embrace. Well, geez, that's not what I would have expected to pull out of a Speakers Institute content. And that is, you're getting deep there. And I want to, if I want to quickly, simply learn, you know, the five steps to knocking out of the park with speaking, uh, you seem to be saying, no, you need to do some personal internal work first. And I I think we're coming back to that again, authenticity and genuineness, because that's, that's deep stuff, Jason. Yeah, absolutely. Last weekend, I spoke at uh, what's called an Equipo Vision, which is the Spanish uh, one of the Spanish uh, businesses of uh, of Amway. We had about twelve thousand people in the Long Beach Arena, and our hosts uh, they're walking me up to the stage. And the husband turns to me just before I walk on the stage. He looks at me and he says, "How do you feel right now?" And I looked at him and I said, uh, "I feel good." And he said, "Well, aren't you like full of anxiety? You're gonna you're gonna speak to twelve thousand people." And I said. No, I'm not, I'm not full of anxiety. I'm not full of fear. I, I said, I do have a deep respect, a deep respect for what I'm about to do because there's so many people whose lives are weighing in the balance who need this message. So I, I, I'm very serious about what I do. I said, I'm not full of anxiety and I'm not full of fear. I'm excited about the change that's going to take place in their hearts. That was the dialogue that was going. It wasn't conceited. It wasn't being overconfident, but it took many, many, many years of developing this. And Tom will talk about in the Speakers Institute how his dad became so familiar with the material that once he mastered the material, knew that the material was going to meet a need, he could spend 99% of his time, which is what we do when we get that speech and we were connected to the audience, 99% of his time and effort is now spent reading the audience, Hmm. making sure that the audience is engaged because the material is so a part of our spirit, so a part of who we are, that it becomes a natural flow. And issues like anxiety and panic 
are things of the past, and now we're concentrating on why we're really there and the seriousness of, of making sure that that message is not lost. Yeah, one of the things I want to point out is that that skill of reading the audience was honed over many, many presentations and years, but he only had the confidence to do that on the spot because he knew his material so well. And so there's a combination there that I want everybody to hear. If you know your material backwards and forwards and everything else, then if the lights go out or the mic goes off or there's a distraction in a part of the room, it doesn't phase you than if you're totally self-focused. You know, what am I going to say next? What am I going to say next? And when you're confident and comfortable with anything that happens, the audience is too. That's right. I mean, that is a really powerful thing. I can remember one time uh, dad came home from an event and I said, dad, how was it? And I looked at him and he looked different. And what I realized is that his suit was, when I took his jacket off, his suit was soaked. And I said, Dad, what happened? And he said, the event venue where we had, uh, they lost power. And the generator came on. So we had lights and we had sound, but we didn't have air conditioning. Mm. And he went on and did it like he always did because he was there to serve the people in the room. And so because he was comfortable and confident with it and went on, everybody in the room was okay with it. If you, on the other hand, if you react instead of respond to that situation, then you're not going to be able to communicate in a way that gives people the best benefit. Because if you complain about it or make an issue out of it, then the audience will too. Yeah. And I go ahead, Jason. If you have the wrong internal dialogue, if you have an internal dialogue that's negative or full of anxiety or panic or, or fear, and the thing comes off the tracks, your event goes haywire, you're not going to be concentrating on the people. You're going to be concentrating on yourself. So you need to be focused on the people because that's why you're there, and that's the most important thing. Speaking of fears and anxieties, if you're a business leader, keeping track of expenses can fall into this category. Let me introduce you to Concur. Concur provides cloud-based travel, expense, and invoice services for business. If you're a business leader with employees, tracking expenses can be a great chore. Concur lets employees create, submit, and approve expenses, plus manage invoices from any device anywhere in the world. Here's a little bit about how it works. So Concur Travel lets employees book travel on any site and also stay in within company travel and expense policy. Concur Expense. An automated expense reporting allows your employees to create an expense by taking a picture of their receipt and it automatically gets added to their expense report. For finance leaders, this provides you with more accurate data to manage company spending. And then concur invoice, capture invoices electronically, whether received via paper, fax, or email, then automatically route and manage approvals. Concur gives you accurate, consolidated spending data instantly, giving you the visibility and insight to drive cost savings. You also get happier employees, more productivity, and the data you need, all leading to a healthier bottom line. Expense, travel, invoice. Learn more at concur.com slash Ziggler. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com slash Ziggler. 
Well, let me speak to that. I do want to pull out something you said a minute ago in your story about coming on stage and the guy asking you how you felt and where you said, no, I, I'm, I'm at peace, but I, you have a deep respect. I mean, again, that comes to the heart of that. The difference between the pure performer who's out there just to, you know, wow, people sell them something, whatever, and somebody who cares, which of course is very Ziggler-esque. So I, but I love that, a deep respect. It's, it feels like that's part of the, my own personal flashcard I want to put in front of myself before I do a speaking again before I make a sale, before I do a podcast is the deep respect I have for the people who are taking their time to listen to that. So I love that statement. But when you talk about uh, being prepared, knowing the material, I think that's something again, I'll be honest, I've, I've been guilty of knowing that I have a good knack for communicating. I like communicating off the cuff. I like doing Q and A stuff uh, where it's just communicating on the fly. I like that. But I realize when I do that, my speech speeds up. I'm trying real hard not to do the um, ers, like, you knows and fill in there, but my speech will speed up or there'll be uncomfortable pauses as I'm trying to get my thoughts together. It's when I am prepared that I deliver the message well, and then I know people hear it better. So I, going back to the, the Ziegler Speakers Institute, that aspect, I assume that there is a big focal point on Mastering, as you said, uh, Tom, in regards to your dad, he mastered the material, being prepared, knowing yeah. your stuff. And yeah. I don't know that that, again, we look at, yeah, the, the performance aspect, but you're saying, no, you have got to have that ingrained in you to a dramatic point so that you can deliver it well. Absolutely. Um, you know, I do radio every day. I do live radio. And of course, there is a significant amount of pressure to fly as fast as you can, because as we know, when you're on the air, every second is money. So you have to fill the airwaves when you're on radio, but that's not the case in a live venue. A live venue is different than radio, and of course, speaking is different than writing. They're all three different styles. However, we try to train our speakers to speak slower, but say more with better words. So be a wordsmith. Choose your words ahead of time. Know what you want to say, and speak at a slower pace but words that have greater emotional impact. And when you want to make that point really settle in an emotional appeal or something like that, slow down and pause and let it sink in. Because the pause, um, you know, it's very, very important. And not only helps the audience catch up to you, as Brian Flanagan says, it helps you catch up with you. And it serves as a great transitional point. But it also allows the emotion to sink in. And emotion does need time to sink in. You have to be cerebral when you're communicating, but you have to be emotional because we're emotional beings. And, and many audiences, especially those that come from other parts of the world, Africans, Asians, Latin Americans, they do appreciate and need a certain emotional appeal because if you are sterile, only information as a communicator, you're not going to connect with many of those people. And so that's why you need to have uh, a, a very colorful garden, uh, you know, a lot of different flavors in the salad. And, and when you do that, you'll have the greatest appeal to a larger audience. And the other thing we always tell them is, listen, when you're one-on-one, you can speak as fast as you want. The larger the group, the slower the pace. If you're in a stadium, you have to speak in pauses. Mm. That's what, that's, that's what and, and of course, the other thing we always mention is, the smaller the group, the harder it is to speak to that group. The bigger the group, the easier it is to speak to that group. And why is that? Because you don't see the guy 50 rows back falling asleep or the guy in the upper decks te- yeah. texting somebody else. But in a group of 25 or 50, you see everything that's happening. 
So we, we tell them to be mindful of the size of the group, and that helps to control the pace, uh, the performance, and also the emotional appeal. Okay, well, talking size of the group so is, is relevant to the point. I wanted to g- dig back in again to some of your content in the Ziegler Speakers Institute material. You went on to say in uh, some of the segment I was reading, in, it's difficult to communicate with confidence and security if you feel insecure or uncertain. How are you going to persuade others if you are not persuaded? So first, resolve the internal dialogue before you attempt to persuade your external audience. List the three top negative things you say to yourself when approaching a very important speaking engagement. So, you know, our topic here is speaking, but if we get real, let's go back to, and this is where I want to pull in people who may not see themselves as presenters necessarily, but they are doing that. So if we go back to what you say, it's difficult to communicate with confidence and security. If you feel insecure or uncertain, how are you going to persuade others? If you are not persuaded, that's relevant for all communicators, communicators regarding, again, as you said, regardless of the size, whether you're speaking to an audience of 50,000, a small group in your office, or simply your family at the dinner table, which is where I end up at the end of every single day uh, with something I want to communicate to them. So what you're telling us is we can't fake it. If we want to impact others, we must truly believe in our message, in ourselves. And of course, we have to go on in the product or the service we may be espousing there. So if you want to speak, you want to sell, tell the truth, Uh, be able to, otherwise don't do it. Yes? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, Zig came up and coined a phrase. I'm not sure if he did. Tom can can uh, give us the trivia on this one. Uh, he made the statement a lot, though, that sales is a transference of feeling. And, and because things have changed since he started to make that statement since the 70s and the 80s, I've felt that we needed to redefine that statement in what he was really trying to say and that sales is a transference of conviction. And so when you stand up as a communicator, you are persuading people not based upon what you're paid to do. You're not persuading them based upon an idea. You're persuading them based upon a conviction. You will die for your convictions if they're strong enough. Uh, The disciples all died for their conviction. Uh, Jesus died for his conviction. Martyrs all over the world die for convictions. That's the strongest level of conviction. So we tell people, listen, when you get up on that stage, show your convictions and that will persuade the audience. That will also persuade the internal dialogue. The disconnect is when I'm not connected to my convictions. And so therefore that negative dialogue kicks in that says, well, you shouldn't really be here. What you're saying isn't really true. Uh, this is not really going to change their lives. But if I stand up and say, listen, if anything happens to me on this platform, somebody better take these notes and communicate the same message to these people because their lives are depending upon it. That's conviction. And that in your spirit, in your, in your dialogue, in your, in your heart is what will make you someone who have great impact in that audience. Okay. Well, you're, to that degree, I mean, you're, you're, that's, that's a big ball of wax. You're putting some vocational pressure on folks because if we are, involved in a product or a service that we are trying to sell to make our own personal revenue. And yet you're saying we have got to have conviction. If I don't have conviction for this widget that I am representing, then this presents a problem, which is going to take me and force me to look at what am I devoting myself to vocationally? Absolutely right. Go ahead, Tom. I tell you, you know, uh, an untold story of Zig's 
or dad start? He was at an event. This is before he was well-known. Uh, people did recognize his voice. He was in the men's room. So this is late 60s. And he overheard two people talking. And one of them said, hey, this Zig Ziglar guy, have you ever heard him? And the other one said, no, I haven't. The first one said, oh, he's incredible. He's in, he is very, very funny. He has this whole stick about this old boy down home, which was dad's kind of humor and his jokes. They left. Dad walked out of the restroom and he made a decision. He said, do I want to be known as the funny speaker or the life-changing speaker? And so his conviction went to a whole nother level and his plan and how he did his speaking from that point on, humor then became an element that brought people in so they could get the point. The humor wasn't the point of his presentation. And I think a lot of speakers today, they get confused. They hear the applause and they hear the laughter and they get confused a little bit because they start believing the press clippings about what people are doing in the room rather than sticking to their conviction of why they started in the first place. I mean, Jason, yeah, on this, on this topic of convictions, I assume in your vast amount of training in this, that this is an issue that has come up where you've had to, uh, I don't want to confront sounds well confrontational, but you've had to address the fact that somebody who you're trying to help that they are going to have to look at what it is they are presenting. They are representing, I should say, because it may not align with the ability to be convicted about it. Absolutely. I tell people, listen, if you're working for an organization and you believe that they don't produce the best widgets or they have the best service, and you know you need to go work for the company that does. If you always believe that you're producing an inferior product and you've lost confidence in that product, then you're not going to be effective as a salesperson. Eventually, you're going to have skinny children because you're not going to be able to feed them. So stick with your convictions because when you go to bed at night, when you go to bed at night, you need to feel that you've given your best effort and that you're living within the confines and in harmony with your convictions. Otherwise, there's nothing worse than, than having a seared, you know, seared conscious. So I would, I would recommend to every, uh, every salesperson, every communicator, doesn't matter if they're in ministry, if they're in public service or they're in the private sector, live within your convictions. And when you do that, you're going to be very effective. If you don't, you're going to have an internal dialogue that is in chaos and eventually you're going to begin to think that you're being dishonest and disingenuous and people will pick up on that. Yeah. It feels like then it for, it does force you into you're you're a performer. You're performing. Exactly. You're, you're exactly. a monkey out there doing tricks with no conviction. Okay. Well, Hey, I got one, I got one more thing for you, Jason. And this again is out of the, out of the material and it's on structuring your keynote, your message. It says a great, you wrote a great keynote presentation keeps the audience engaged. They find the speaker inspiring, dynamic, genuine, and convincing. The content is inspiring and useful. So what makes some keynote speeches life-changing while others are hardly survivable, which made me think of a lecture. We all know what that feels like. So you wrote our objective in this segment is to help you structure your keynote address. And folks, again, I'm reading right off the content that it's part of what Jason goes through in the event. Um, 
The, our objective in this segment is to help you structure your keynote address and storyboard it so you can gain greater audience engagement. You will discover six secrets that will make your speech a page turner. The first secret, every great speech has a balance between blank, 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 and, and blank. Why is this so important? Now, I'm not going to ask you to fill in those blanks, folks. If you want to know what the uh, fill-in is, come to the event. Go to Ziggler.com again, as I, as I led you to at the beginning of the show. Go to Ziggler.com, click on events, you'll find the Ziegler Speakers Institute. There's actually three dates, I believe, listed there, but the next one is April 20th through the 22nd, 2016. But in regards to this content, Jason, I wanted to focus on your opening statement. A great keynote presentation keeps the audience engaged. They find the speaker inspiring, dynamic, genuine, and convincing. The content mm-hmm. is inspiring and useful. So many people... Of course, we would hope that they're confident in their content uh, and uh, that their content is, is inspiring and useful, but themselves, personally, me, inspire, that, so you're calling me to be inspiring, dynamic, genuine, and convincing. I mean, that's a tall order, one that's easy, I think, for a lot of folks to dismiss that they could ever be that. Even the genuine part, okay, that's, that's palatable, but inspiring, dynamic, and convincing. I don't know a lot of people that I think would label themselves as that, especially outside of our peers of other you know, presenters, but just in the generalness of, of, of regular life. So it feels like you're telling me I have to be Zig Ziglar incarnate you know, in that aspect. And, and many people with an incredible message that's worthy of being on stage are naturally not, may not feel like they're naturally those things. So are you saying that in the Ziglar's uh, Speakers Institute, that is a primary focal point to help me be those things. Yes, absolutely. We're going to touch on how you can become those things, but we're also deciphering, we're making a difference between what is a keynote speech and a basic presentation. There is a significant difference between a presentation where you are standing before a group, you're taking questions, answers, it's sort of a teaching thing, you might be presenting in a seminar. It's a lot more informal. Remember, the keynote is a presentation that plays like a DVD. There are no interruptions in the keynote presentation. There really shouldn't be. Uh, and any question the speaker asks is a rhetorical question. If he's standing in a stadium or arena or a large room of five or 600 people, he's not going to ask everyone, so where are you from? Where are you from? What's your city? He's not going to do that because it's gonna, it doesn't have the time. And that's too distracting for a large crowd. If there's 25 people there, well, that makes sense to do that. because So you don't have to be as dynamic, as inspiring when you're in a smaller group. But when you reach into the keynote area, which is you know two or 300 and above that, all the way up to 50,000 people, you have to possess certain skills and uh, abilities that are going to be inspiring. That doesn't mean you have to be Zig Ziglar. That just means your content has to make people walk away saying, It'll, if it'll work for that guy or that girl or that lady or the guy that he talked about or she talked, if it works for that person, it'll work for me. That's inspiration. Yeah. Inspiration is there's hope for me. And that's what the audience mm. needs to walk away with. That's, that's, that's beautiful. Now, I gave folks your, your address. Before I let you go here, Jason, again, folks, it's Jason Friend. It's R, uh, that's F-R-E-N-N.com, JasonFriend.com. I do want to ask you just to, uh, just to give us a comment. What are you excited about in regards to your newest book? I let people know about that at the beginning of the show, but the seven prayers God always answers. Just before we let you go here, I want you to, t- I want you to tell us what are you excited about in regards to that book coming out? You know, that book has had a significant impact uh, all around the world. It's been translated into four different languages. Uh, 
the thing that I really like about it is that you don't have to be someone of faith. Uh, you don't even have to be somebody who goes to church. Uh, you can just simply pick it up right where you're at. I had my dad, who's a bartender, help me pick the title. Wow. I, I said, Dad, here are five different titles. Pick your favorite one. He says, I like the seven prayers God always answers. I said, why is that? He says, because I'd like to know what the seven prayers are that God always answers. <laughs> Absolutely. And so, so I actually, I started out with five, but I decided we'll give you two bonus prayers. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <laughs> but, but I discovered that God, God, answers all, God answers every prayer. But these seven are the ones that he always says yes to. Wow. And uh, I'm excited about that because I like any book that gives people genuine hope. Huh. You know, I'm not, I'm not a pie-in-the-sky kind of guy. Uh, I, I'm not saying that, that people don't go through turbulence, difficult times, uh, tragedy. But I am one that is an optimist and, and, and believes that uh, it is important to give people a word of hope, especially in the midst of a very difficult and trying world. And that book does that. It gives a great message of hope. Wow. Tom. That's awesome. I I would just like to do something uh, unique for our Ziegler Show podcast listeners. We're having our Ziegler Speakers Institute coming up in in a little over a month, maybe six weeks from now. If this sounds like something that's interesting to you and you go to Ziegler.com and you look up the Ziegler Speakers Institute and you want to get involved, then I talked to Jason about this. He's going to, he's willing to meet one-on-one for 30 minutes over the phone before you come to help identify what your plan is and everything else. And I just want to share this quote. I just heard this quote from Andy Stanley, uh, Jason. He's one of the most powerful speakers out there. He's, he's dynamic and he said this. You may be good, you may be better than anyone else, but you will never be as good as you could be without a coach. Mm -hmm. And I saw Dad spend his entire life researching, studying, and learning from the best. Even at the top of his game, he had his notepad out taking notes when somebody else was speaking. He always believed that there was something he could learn. So we wanted to share uh, Jason with everybody. He speaks for us on a regular basis. He travels the world. In fact, just for fun, Google Jason Friend and see him do his bilingual stick. It's an unbelievable thing. So you'll get a better feel for who he is. There's How many views does that video have? It has, it has thousands and thousands of views. Thousands. Yeah, it does. It's kind of crazy. We call it the bilingual tango. Yeah. <laughs> So it's an amazing thing. Uh, we love Jason. He's a huge part of our Ziegler family. If you're a speaker and you want to go to that next level or you know someone who is, share the Ziegler Show podcast with them. And if, and if they get that hunch, that urge to say, I need to find out more, that's fantastic. So that's what I wanted to say. We're excited that uh, we have this partnership with, with Jason going on. And, and uh, we look forward to, hopefully, if this touched your soul, talking with you more about joining us at the Ziegler Speakers Institute. Well, and let me ask real quick, because you sprung that on me. So this uh, year off for Jason to a 30-minute phone call, uh, that, that's, that's significant. Is that, is, is that done through going to uh, Ziegler.com, go to the uh, events page and find the Speakers Institute and inquire about that there? Is that where you want it's, people to check in? It's for the first five people who register. Okay. Yeah, so okay. you need to go ahead and commit to come, but this is a bonus that we want to put in for those. That right there, I would say, is is well worth the price of admission. So, folks, do that. So, Ziggler.com, go to the events 
tab, you'll find the Ziegler Speakers Institute in the drop down there. And then you'll see the next one again, April 20th, I believe. And you'll see the other dates if that one does not work for you. Jason, man, thank you for your time today for uh, sharing your your heart in this and giving us I, I took notes um, I'm, I'm grateful for your wisdom here uh, thank you for being with us today thank, thank you so much Kevin Tom it's been an honor as it always is and anything we can do to serve you we're glad to do so thank you so much folks thanks for being with us we'll talk to you in the next Ziggler Show 